Welcome to Grace in 30 on WERALP, Arlington, 96.7 FM. This is Ed Mellick, and I'm joined by my co-host, Sal Dietrich. Sal, you excited about tonight's program? Ed, tonight's guests have literally just walked into town, have come directly to the WERA studio to be on the Grace in 30 show. I'm honored. We're joined tonight by Emily Olette and Cliff Hearn from Crossroads. They started walking across country back in May to spend their entire summer reflecting, praying, talking to people across this country about pro-life and sharing the gospel. They prayed at abortion clinics. They visited and spoke at churches. They've gone from towns big and small across every little uh, town you can imagine. I'm excited to hear their stories about faith and get a sense of what the mood of the country is, something we always seem to be out of touch with here in our nation's capital. Uh, Emily and Cliff, welcome to the Grace and 30 radio show. Thank you. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, I've got to ask right out of the gate, when did you actually get in town? Was it yesterday or the day before? Uh, It was actually just this afternoon. We rolled in about 2.30 and finally made it to the end. Wow. (laughs) Well, thank you for joining us. First first interview right here, live on Grayson 30. We've got the scoop. So let's just kick right off. You know, we hear about abortion, abortion rights, pro-life, things like that. These are definitely lightning rod topics that uh, a lot of people like to avoid discussing. What was the mood of the country as you walked across the country? What, what did you encounter and what was the sense for these issues? Oh, gosh. Well, you know, I'll have to say that um, one thing that I think all of us can agree on, having just, you know, walked across the country and gotten a real cross-section of, you know, the people who live in this country, is that America is overwhelmingly pro-life, mm-hmm. um, overwhelmingly uh, supportive as we walk, you know, just so many people telling us how appreciative they are um, for our witness. Um, You know, very few, uh, few and far between is it where we'll have flack or, you know, maybe, you know, some kind of insult or negative thing thrown out there. But I think that, uh, you know, uh, across the board, America is pro-life. Emily, the same thing or? Oh, yeah, definitely. It's it's actually just really incredible just seeing uh, how responsive people are to it and, you get this idea from the media that this country is pro-choice and that they're looking, um, they're really just trying to stretch the idea that, you know, women's rights and, you know, we have to respect that and everything, but there's the life of the child as well. And um, it's actually really just overwhelming to see what the media is saying is not necessarily true and that this country is definitely pro-life. And it's it was just really incredible to see that. Now that's incredible because you, you visited a large swath of America. I mean, you went, some of the towns I looked at on your map, which is on the Crossroads website. I mean, I, I, you know, really small communities, large cities. Uh, tell us a bit about the route that you, that you took. I mean, you, you. This is an interesting journey, and you probably. I mean, I can imagine some of these places are, you know, a church and a post office, and yet some of these are big cities. Oh yeah. So we started in um, San Francisco, um, in California, and you know, obviously we're ending here in D.C. And essentially, we just cut. Uh, cut a straight line across the country. So we started out on Highway 40, which is uh, the loneliest road in America. Oh, 50, sorry. We've been kind of cutting back between uh, 50 and 40 on, um, you know, on our way here. And uh, just like you said, you know, we've hit up major cities along the way, you know, starting in San Francisco to Reno, Nevada, you know, I mean, a little bit later, Lincoln, Nebraska, you know, hitting all these big cities. But like you said, between that, it's either like the desert 
or the mountains or, you know, farms or like a little blink and you miss it kind of town, you know, so really it's just every, every sort. And then, you know, big cities and, and there, there really is a difference, you know, I think between, between the, you know, cultures and in big cities, small towns, you know, out in the countryside. So how many, how many days, how many miles? Oh gosh. So how many days? <laughs> I don't know if I've added that together, but I can tell you it's been 12 weeks. Um, for about 12 weeks from start to finish, um, and just about 3,000 miles, and that's as a group. Wow. And you went, I mean, I looked at these cities. As I think about your journey in experiencing people of faith, 29 Palms, California, for those who did the southern route, there's nothing but tattoo parlors and, <laughs> and a marine base in 29 Palms, and yet, and, and it's in the middle of the Mojave Desert where it's about 140 degrees uh, most of the time, and yet you find people willing to talk about pro-life, their faith in God and share the gospel with each other. And, you know, this exists all over the country. The problem is right now, the media just isn't shining a light on this type of thing. This, these types of stories of people doing outreach, of getting in communities and talking, just don't get the light of day anymore, Ed. Mm -hmm. So were you surprised at what you found out? Was it kind of a shock or was it something you were expecting? Oh, yeah, it was definitely a shock, actually. I'm not from the States. I'm from Canada, so I came down to do this walk. And um, I don't know, I had this idea that it was going to be an incredibly pro-choice country. It was going to, you know, be hard to walk down the street without someone yelling at you. Um, but no, yeah, I was definitely surprised at the response that we got. It was, yeah, no, it was amazing to see how it actually turned out. So we definitely want to hear some stories about people you encountered and, and how it affected you. But I want to ask, you know, you came from Canada. Why did you, why did you guys do this? You took your entire summer... 12 weeks, something like that, to walk. You had to be sweaty and tired. And, and, you know, why did you choose to do this at first? Uh, well, for me personally, I actually wanted to do the Canadian walk originally, um, but it got canceled this year because there weren't enough people. And um, I think for myself, like, I just really wanted to be able to take what I learned here and actually be able to start the walk back up in Canada again because, I mean, as you probably know, Canada is incredibly pro-choice and it, it's really needing a huge boost of life there. So, um, yeah, my, my ultimate goal is just, you know, to be able to help the neighbors down south and uh, really be promote, uh, promoting a culture of life and to hopefully cause people to see that there is, like, sanctity in life from conception to natural death and then, furthermore, to be able to take that back to Canada uh, when I get back there. So, so that's sort of a cause that's really near and dear to your heart. Oh, 100%. I, mm -hmm. I come from a huge family, so. <laughs> okay. And, yeah. and, and what about you, Cliff? What were your motivations? Okay, yeah, so I'll to be uh, honest, this is actually my fourth walk. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> because I must have some kind of a problem. You must no. know where every Burger King <laughs> is in, in, you know, 29 Palms and Phoenix and you know, Kansas City and everywhere. So, um, but I'll tell you why I, I decided to walk um, at first. It's actually... Um, this is kind of a, a funny little tidbit. I had um, just come to the faith. I had a big conversion. And I'd gone to Sunday Mass. Um, I heard someone come up, um, as we do on weekends, come up and speak about Crossroads, about the mission, ask for support. And this gentleman just happened to say if uh, anyone was interested in, you know, coming and walking across the country, then, you know, to go and talk to him after Mass. And so... Um, the kind of thinking, I guess, you know, from what I gathered from his little talk there, I uh, thought, well, this will be something that will be happening in a couple weeks from now, and so I'll consider it, and I went and talked to him. And Well, that was actually the first weekend of the walk in Los Angeles, where I'm from originally. And um, he said, well, you know, if you're interested in walking, like, 
you have to jump on right now. And so I just threw together a backpack and <laughs> went on my way and went on this amazing journey. And I'll have to say it was absolutely life-changing, informative, and, um, you know, really gave me an entirely renewed and new perspective on the country, what the country needs, and, you know, who I am and what kind of role I should play when it comes to promoting the dignity of life. So how old were you at that time? Okay, so that was 22. I was 22. And so you were finished college? Uh, no, not quite, not quite. I've done a bit of college. But you had the flexibility to, to put a bag together and to just go. More or less, yeah. Yeah, I, a lot of people uh, don't have that. Yeah, right. Tell us some stories about some of the people you encountered uh, along the way and, and just the things that really stand out in your mind. Yeah, let's start for, first at, at the abortion clinics. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of curious if people you met or, or even if other groups were there, maybe you all joined forces, you know, which is kind of a neat thing. If there were other people there, maybe who were supporting um, uh, pro-life and maybe you all kind of joined in with them or just people that you might, without naming names, people that you kind of may have encountered at those clinics uh, during the, the next last couple months? Sure. You know, well, well, one interesting thing that I've found about the abortion clinics um, that we've gone to, so how it works is, um, you know, during the week we're walking between these cities. And on, you know, the weekends we're going, we're visiting parishes, and one of the things we do on Saturdays is we go and pray for, you know, hours outside of an abortion clinic. And we found more and more these abortion clinics are like closed on Saturdays, closed, you know, like closing down some of them, you know, some of the cities where traditionally we've gone and prayed outside of an abortion clinic, you know, every year, there's nowhere to pray. And so, you mm. know, um, and that, that's quite encouraging. Um, you know, I could say um, there's been, uh, oh gosh, some wonderful experiences in, I think it was St. Louis. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, it, it was yeah. St. Louis, Missouri. <laughs> We went and we walked with, okay, it must have been 200 other people in this big, they do it every month or maybe twice a month. They go and gather at this cathedral and walk a mile praying the rosary, go and pray all together in this huge group in front of this, you know, big Planned Parenthood there and then, you know, walk back praying the rosary. And that was just, I mean, I was awestruck seeing so many people come together mm -hmm. to pray in that way. Um, and it's just, I mean, in terms of, you know, encountering flack and, you know, there's been a couple of times where we've, you know, kind of been told off maybe in front of an abortion clinic. And I think that the most important thing that we've been learning is just how to encounter other people with love and encounter other people with seeing the same dignity in them as we're promoting for the unborn, for the elderly, for all those who are under attack in the culture um, and being able to um, just encounter every single person that we meet with that same love and that same respect and that same, you know, deep admiration of just their existence and their life that they have. Right. And this is, uh, you know, you're making a different, the, the distinction here that I think is important is being pro-life is, is more than just being pro-birth. Oh, mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah. And that's a big thing I think that we want to bring out because you all are also advocating for, um, for dignity in life at all stages in terms of things like euthanasia and other things like that, mm -hmm. that all, all life has value and all life has dignity. Um, no matter where someone is, perhaps even someone's incarcerated, for example, that, that all lives are, are, are pro-life. Yeah, tell me a little bit, uh, you know, the, uh, and I can only imagine being in front of these abortion clinics because I've never done this, and, mm -hmm. and being there and praying, just being such an incredible example and witness. And, and this reminds me of um, something Ed and I were talking about where uh, a, a pastor did a, he sort of did a YouTube video and he showed, you know, the power of this. And, and he talked about, 
how they went and prayed at these abortion clinics. And afterwards, he brought up a mother and her child and said, this, this is why we do this. This one child mm-hmm. was saved, and this is the beauty of this. I mean, really, to me, I can tell you as a parent, there's, there's nothing more joyful in life I, I, the, about the anticipation of a child. The only thing I can think of more is literally being at the birth of a child. And yet in this country, we have somehow changed that. Mm-hmm. And, and I can tell you, it's the most joy. I was just telling a colleague today, it's the most joyous thing I've ever encountered. Uh, d- did you see people, any people turning away? Or did you hear any stories from churches in the area where people have, in fact, um, turned away from abortion clinics or have thought twice about it? Or maybe you've heard some of this, maybe in the churches where you visited. Oh, yeah, definitely, actually. There is a... There are so many stories that are just so full of hope. Uh, the one that has stuck out to me the most throughout this trip is actually way back in Reno. Uh, one of our walkers uh, was at a church, and a lady came up to her, and she said that 12 years ago, her sister had become pregnant uh, and had actually booked an abortion, uh, but it was because of the Crossroads Witness, and you know we don't know necessarily how, whether it was us speaking at a church or just walking alongside the highway or even praying outside that abortion clinic but she ended up having a change of heart and because of that there are still two 12 year old girls living today you know so there are just there's some incredibly hopeful stories and you know even if it was just for those two lives it would have been worth it to keep doing this for years and years in the future uh, look, I want to come back. I want to talk for a minute about Crossroads because we didn't really jump into this. But uh, this uh, this is an organization founded in 1995 uh, by a guy named Steve Sanborn, who was a student at the uh, Franciscan University of Steubenville, or Steubyu, uh, if you're uh, like me and you grew up in this area. And really at the time, uh, to talk about motivation, responded to a call that uh, Pope St. John Paul II, basically at a World Youth Day, had said, take an active role uh, in your life, in your communities, and in the pro-life movement to establish a culture of life. And Steve, uh, you know, was inspired by that. Like so many of our guests, he, at a moment, asked through his own faith, uh, through his own, to seek his own higher purpose. He said, what am I supposed to be doing, right? And so he took on this mission to found Crossroads. Um, and really a key part of what they're doing is this pro-life pilgrimage, as they call them. They really are across the United States. Each summer, young adults walk three simultaneous pro-life walks across America. You can get Seattle, San Francisco, or Los Angeles. And I'll tell you, that Los Angeles crew that walks through the Mojave Desert has my respect because I've been out there in June, and I can tell you it's hot. Uh, 10,000 miles, 36 states, these uh, young folks you know, can really looking to convert hearts and minds, but really share and and listen, I think is one of the biggest things uh, that impresses me about Crossroads. They're there in the communities listening to people, uh, people who have pain, people who have suffering, talking about uh, about pro-life. Uh, and, and really, in fact, they do this in Canada as well. Uh, and I believe in Australia, if I'm not mistaken, is that correct? That's right. Look, I want to come back to these uh, conversations you all were having. And you speak at these churches on Sundays. Mm-hmm. Is it just churches, or do you speak in other forums as well? Um, it's uh, predominantly churches. Um, we're pretty open to, you know, coming and speaking to say a youth group or you know um, uh, some some other community if if someone will have us. But traditionally and predominantly, it's uh, a variety of different Catholic parishes in in any number of cities that and, we're visiting. And what do people ask you when you show up? I and mean, what do you ask you sort of about the walk, or what are they interested in talking to you all about? 
when they hear your story? What are some of the stories from folks that you've met in the communities? Oh, gosh. Well, you know, I'll say one takeaway. Um, I had mentioned earlier um, how, you know, we see how um, America is really pro-life um, across the board. And, you know, it, it's, it's so surprising to me every time you know, I come to these parishes and I get in these conversations with, you know, men and women of, of all different ages. And, you know, there's this mindset, I think, so often that... Um, you know, like, there are these lone wolves sometimes, like, oh, yeah, I go and pray outside of the abortion clinic, or, you know, I pray rosary every day for, you know, this cause, and, um, but, you know, maybe often people feel like they're alone in that, and so one really wonderful thing that we get to do is go to these parishes and be that beacon of hope, you know, to say, like, no, you're totally not alone, you're 100%, you know, connected to, you know, the country at large, Really, you have so much community and so much support. And, you know, look, even the young people are willing to sacrifice their summer, sacrifice their opportunity for summer work or, you know, what have you, fun, you know, maybe some kind of more recreational type road trip across the country, you know. But but here we are. This is something that's important to the lot of us in, in this community here. And and that's really a, 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 that's something that just hits me every time. And Emily, what about you? Oh, uh, my goodness. Yeah, there's a lot of conversation that happens after speaking at these churches. And honestly, most of the questions are, are you walking across the country in those shoes? But <laughs> no, not Were you quite. in high heels? <laughs> you only have one pro-life t-shirt. Is that <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, no, but yeah, I think it's just we, we bring a lot of hope to people. And it is just so inspiring, to be completely honest. Uh, like afterwards, when we're talking to them and just like when they're coming through, like countless people strangers are just hugging you and just thanking you profusely and it's like well you know like i'm not doing that big of a thing here like this is this is very small and like the whole um the whole pro-life movement in general but it's just i think it's a really beautiful thing to see that we're actually inspiring hearts and people are as grateful and as joyful to see us as they are it's just that's i find incredibly inspiring yeah yeah and you all must be a pretty close-knit group after uh you know all these months together i mean i was talking talking with um uh, with jim nolan uh who's the director he said you know some of these some folks have gone on to be priests nuns they've gone on to really become leaders in the pro-life movement around the u.s commentators other things of that nature what, what are some of your experiences i mean you all sort of start out as strangers you have this one thing in common which is really your faith and commitment Tell us about some of the experiences you all had together. Anything you want to share? Something funny? Something different that happened that you know that you you sort of experienced during the trip? Oh gosh, I'll just say that living with you know our walk was about twelve, <laughs> and that you know maybe there's a core group of about nine of us that started in the very beginning and continued on to DC, and then you know you have people come maybe for two weeks a month, you know kind of coming in and out. And I'll just say that, you know, we, we live out of an RV during the week. You know, the guys will sleep in tents and, you know, the, the ladies will take the RV. And getting 12 people together in essentially a very small box, <laughs> you can imagine there's the its own brand of kind of craziness and wonderfulness at the same time. You know, I mean, there's there's like annoyances, but then there's also such a deep love that we get to have for one another. You know, you get to experience... Um, living in in a really intimate and and um you know kind of consistent way with with these people that you never would put yourself in you know with in, i guess in kind of day-to-day life that you necessarily wouldn't surround yourself with 
you know, for a variety of different reasons. And, and Crossroads is so great because, you know, these people are kind of just cherry picked or like, you know, volunteer from all different walks of life, all different places around the country. And so you get to learn to love. So in, in such a short amount of time, these people like so dearly and so intensely that like, you know, just that we, we were talking about it this weekend as we're coming up to the Basilica, as we're finishing the walk, um, like, oh my gosh, like, I can't believe it's over. I can't believe that, you know, we're going to, I'm not going to see you, you know, for maybe ever, or maybe a very long time or, you know, at least a couple months. And, and, um, I mean, that, that in of itself is just amazing. And then, you know, in that there's like, tens of thousands of like little stories and most of them are inside jokes so <laughs> uh, we're, we're very interested in those uh, I, I gotta say do you have some enduring friendships you've done this now four times so after the first and the second and third walks are there certain people you stay in touch with have you actually reunited with anybody oh yes uh, I actually I stay in touch with um, several people from my first walk um, you know I've gone to um, you know I've gone to visit you know fl- flown different states to visit these people it's always it's something that really bonds you for life, you know, that's, um, you know, I'll, I'll be in, you know, like, I guess, text communication or Facebook or whatever, you know, what have you with people, um, they become kind of a part of your overall, uh, like, support system in life, I guess, just overall community. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, you definitely keep in touch with, with everyone. You kind of can't not keep in touch with some of them just because you do share such a um, profound experience. So, Emily, you're not a veteran uh, on this. This is no, your first time. You, you just got back today. What's the thing that stands out in your mind now, the biggest thing, how this affected you doing this for the past 11, 12 weeks? Oh, my goodness, yeah. We were actually just talking about that the other day. And it's, you know, to be honest, it's a little hard to say. Uh, I know that it's it's been an incredible experience, and I know that it's madly changed me in so many different ways. Um, but I think one of the things is, just to touch on what Cliff was saying, is like, you grow to really love people on this walk, uh, especially after a couple weeks and the RV smells like everyone's body odor <laughs> and you have to live in that. <laughs> um, but no, you like that's something I found is just, you know, the the amount of love that comes from this, the amount of love for people that just a couple months ago were complete strangers that I didn't even know existed, you know. And now they're there's something that's going to that they're going to be part of my life for hopefully, you know, to the end of it. Right. Um, yeah, no, definitely. That's probably how I've grown the most is just in my capability to love people. Yeah, I mean, this is no walk in the park. I mean, eight <laughs> to 12 miles a day, at, you know, praying at abortion clinics, visiting churches. Did you all, I think, at least one of the groups, I think, may have stopped in uh, at EWTN, right? So I think one of the groups was in one of the walks and they stopped there at the headquarters. And did they get to be on TV or is that... Oh, yeah, that was uh, Southern Walk, and um, in, they have a weekend in Birmingham, Alabama, and, you know, which is uh, where, I, I guess, Irondale? Irondale. Irondale, Alabama is where EWTN is based out of, so they go and they stay at the EWTN studios and the guest houses and get to, um, you know, go and be on television, I think, every other year. And this year it was a show called uh, At Home with Jim and Joy, I think. So you've done it four times. Are you sort of evolving in what you've been learning? Is every year something new that you, you carry away from it, or...? Or you've sort of been building on what you've learned each year. Are you ready to hang up your shirt <laughs> and your shoes? Well, <laughs> the Hall of Fame. Man. I think He's after each fame. summer, I'm ready to hang up my shirt, and then it just kind of keeps coming back on me at the in May. So I don't know. I don't want to say anything quite yet to that. But yeah, no, it definitely builds. It definitely builds. You know, that first walk was, as I said, you know, came at a time when I was just 
coming to learn about the faith, and it was completely formative. You know, I mean, just in three short months, I think I got the kind of formation in my faith that would have come with maybe years. I don't know. But um, it was a really intensely spiritual um, experience that summer. And from there, it's been learning more and more of the same lessons, and then also each summer learning something new and surprising. It's like, you know, you reapproach a mission like this, and in some ways it's so familiar. In others, it's just, you know, oh my gosh, I never noticed that two years ago. Like, you know, I never noticed that the last three times I walked. You know, there's so many things like that. And you all are, are reading and praying the scripture as you go along, and that must be an interesting experience because you're reading mm-hmm. the stuff in the Bible, but then you're you're seeing it and you're feeling it and touching it as you go along. I mean, has that been a big, profound part of this? Is just your own growth in reading scripture and and then having to go out there and live it and pray in front of these folks at these clinics and visit with people and be a testimony to your own faith. Oh, yes. Walking every day we pray the Divine Office, which is a very old prayer in the Catholic Church, and that has just a number of psalms and readings and, you know, from all over Scripture. And so it's essentially just Scripture readings, and, you know, we pray it together, and it's a, a beautiful thing. We go to daily Mass where there's, you know, all the readings of the Mass. There's, you know, a reading in the Gospel reading. You know, and then just uh, personal devotions, you know, picking up scripture, you know, when we can, um, you know, reading spiritual readings. And and those do tie in, just dovetail so well with uh, the day-to-day experience of the walk. You know, I mean, there's so many times when you'll have experienced some thing or another that day, and then you go to, you go to Mass the next day in the morning, and the reading is just exactly what God needs to tell you in that moment. You know, and it just completely coincides with what you're dealing with. And so that really gives this kind of incarnational attitude, I think, to the walk, you know, just going forward and the scriptures just come, absolutely come to life. Well, let me jump in. We've got about two minutes. Actually, Wait a minute. All right. It, I always try to drag this out. <laughs> we, uh, we like to give a call to action to listeners. Um, folks who are listening right now, here we get the largest population of millennials in the United States right here in Arlington, Virginia. Oh, wow. Something you want to say to folks to, to, about uh, getting involved, a call to action, or, or maybe it's just a general call to action, like uh, something you learned along the way. Um, you know, what I'd say is that, you know, we read the scripture and it talks about being able to find 40 good men, you know, 30, and then it comes all the way down to 10. And, you know, there are a lot more than 10 good people in this country. And uh, everyone's capable of doing something, and you yourselves are capable of doing something. And it doesn't take much because each individual has an impact that will drag on like so far beyond what you will ever actually see come from it. So if you just stand to arms and fulfill what you're being called to do and take action and, you know, really live your life uh, with the gospel in mind, um, yeah, no, that's that's what I'd say. Cliff, that's going to be hard to beat, but you're, you've got a few seconds. Oh, gosh, I guess I'll just build off of what she said then. Um, just building off of what Emily said, you know, I think so often we can um, – you know, we can look at a big issue uh, like, you know, abortion or like euthanasia, um, and we can say either I don't really stand a much chance of really changing this at all. This is a huge ship that's full steam ahead and I can't turn it. Or we think, wow, I see all these people who are already doing something, and, you know, it is not really going to make much difference. They're already kind of, you know, have it under control. This pro-life movement's already got it under control. But I'll have to tell you that each individual person has something to offer that nobody else in this whole world can offer to the pro-life movement, to mm-hmm. all of those 
people who are in crisis pregnancies or maybe, you know, facing really difficult decisions that you have an integral part to play in this movement and in your life. And to really take just 10 minutes out of your day and think about what that is, is I think the most important takeaway from this. All right. Thank you both. Thanks, uh, Cliff. Thanks, Emily, for for, uh, being a great voice for us here and and also for for in Canada. Thank you for being a light to other people for your sacrifice this summer. Listeners want to find out more about Crossroads and their ministry, visit them at crossroadswalk.org. We'll also have information uh, on our Facebook, Twitter, and website. Ed, my friend, talk us out of this one, please. This is Ed and Sal signing off from Grayson 30 on WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM. Everybody have a great night and be sure to tune into Grace.